Hello to everyone. We're thankful for another opportunity to get to dig back into the Word of God and continue our study of Elijah and Elisha. We're right on the border of meeting Elisha for the first time in Scripture and uh, certainly look forward to that. We're, this is the 21st uh, episode. It took 21 recordings to get to this place. A whole lot longer than I expected, I can say, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope that you have. Um, and again, I, I've said this before, if you see something that we don't see, if there's something you'd like to share, then get in touch with us and let us know. We certainly appreciate it and enjoy it to hear from you. So we're in 1 Kings chapter number 19. And we left off last time. God is, of course, speaking to Elijah, laying out the work that he has yet for Elijah to accomplish. So Elijah, you need to anoint Haziel, Jehu, and Elisha to be prophet in your room because my work's going to continue even after you're gone. And so the judgment of God's going to come through these three men, through Haziel of Syria, through Jehu uh, of Israel. One, Haziel's going to destroy the people. Jehu's going to destroy the king's house. And Elisha's going to destroy what's left. So the judgment of God is coming. And God's going to win even against those that are rebellious and don't hear the gospel. And he comes to verse 18. And, you, you know, I, I really do, I, I hate that things are the way they are. I hate that there's such hardness towards doctrine that is in the Bible. I, I hate that. But I, I realize that traditions and and I don't say that I don't say that to be mean either, but I, I realize that people's thinking and the way they've always heard and the way they've always felt, that's a very hard thing to overcome. I I know that from personal experience. That's the hardest thing that there is to overcome. But if if you will take the time to listen, I'm gonna do my very best to only explain and read scripture with this verse, I believe we could see some things, maybe, uh, that's, that's just straight out of the Bible. So he has told Elijah what's left to do, and he comes to verse 18. Now remember, Elijah says, I'm the only fellow left, and they want to kill me too. Well, God tells him, yet... I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. And so God says, Elijah, you're, you're not the only one. You're not all that's left. I have left 7,000. So God, now, let's just think about this. We've got times of darkness, times that all of the prophets have been killed, that Ahab and Jezebel could get their hands on, times that the altars have been thrown down. I mean, you talk about public churches. There are no public churches to God 
in this day. They've destroyed them, every one. All that's left is churches that worship Baal and Ashtaroth and idols and false gods. You can't go out and find a prophet. You can't find a preacher. You can't find anybody with any understanding of the scripture because they've killed all them and what's left is hiding. We're, we're in times of darkness. And yet, Elijah, there's a great number that you've not seen, that you've not perceived. I still have a number that's serving and worshiping me. So, you know, I, I realize I realize we're in times right now of great darkness. But I fear even greater spiritual darkness is yet to come. In Matthew 16, he tells Peter and the apostles that on this rock, on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, being the Son of God, he's going to build a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church's foundation is sure, steadfast, and there will be a church even at the darkness of the end of the world. There'll still be people holding on to the truth because in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Wouldn't you say that that's what's happening right here? That is all this sin and evil and hatred towards the word of God abounded. The grace of God abounded greater and there were 7,000 that had not bowed the knee to the Lord. Or I'm sorry, that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal and that were servants of God. It's an amazing thing. How is that? That's, that's by the grace of the Lord. So let's dig into that then. In Romans chapter 11, you read this very scripture right here. This scripture is quoted in Romans chapter 11. And so we, Paul is going to take it here in Romans and apply it to his present day. So let's look at the first five or six verses here in Romans and I, I don't mean to get off track of Elijah and Elisha, but this is where we are. Let's see what God means when he says what he says to Elijah there. So verse number one, Romans chapter 11. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now there's no question in Paul's day, in the day that he's writing this letter to the Romans, there was a great rejection by the Jewish people of Christ and the gospel of Christ. The overwhelming majority had rejected the truth of the gospel. I believe you, you could say that that's true. But Paul says here, has God cast them away? No, he's not cast them all away because Paul's an Israelite. So you can't say, well, God's done away with all the Israelites. Well, that's not true because Paul was saved. Even though there was an overwhelming majority of unbelievers that had been cast away. So he says in verse 2, 
God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Wot ye not that the scripture saith of Elias, there's Elijah, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, and I think I touched on that, but notice, Elijah is interceding against Israel. Not for them, but the word of God is against them. That's what happens to those that reject and rebel against the word of God. Christ is not an interceder for them. He's an interceder and bearing witness against them. Elijah's making intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, but they seek and they seek my life. So there is what Elijah said to God. I'm very jealous because this is what they've done. He's interceding against them. Elijah is witnessing to God against the works of the people. Elijah says, I'm the only one left. Now that wasn't true in Elijah's day. And to say that all the Jews were unbelievers in Paul's day, that wasn't true either. Because the apostles, they were Jews. And so, but what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. So, you see the picture of the present day that Paul's writing this and the days of Elijah. Elijah says, I'm the only one left. And God says, no, I've, I've reserved, I've left, I've kept behind I've kept 7,000 that's not bowed the knee. Elijah, you're not the only one left. Well, in this day, you look overall and it looks like all the Jews have rejected and been cast away. But that's not true. No, there's a number that has believed the gospel and been saved, Paul being one of that number. Paul is evidence that all the Jews weren't unbelievers. So there's, just like in Elijah's day, there's a number that's been reserved in Paul's day as well. And verse 5, he's going to say this. Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant. Paul says in Elijah's day, there was a remnant, 7,000. And when you hear 7,000, that sounds like a whole lot of people. But when you put it in perspective of how many people were in Israel at that time, and we, we know this, 600,000 fighting men came out of Egypt. That was men between the ages of 20 and 50. So if every one of those had a wife, then that would be 1.2 million people. Because you have 600,000 men, and they each have a wife, so you double that, 1.2 million. And then if they all had one child, and we know that in these days, they had a lot more than one. But to be super conservative, if they all had one child under the age of 20, then that would be 1.8 million people. And if they all had one parent that was left alive, that was over the age of 50, then you're looking at 2.4 to 3 million people. So I'm going to say over and above 3 million uh, several hundred years before 
the events of Elijah takes place. So how many people were in Israel? Was there 5 million, 10 million? I don't know. That would be speculation. But I'm going to say there was more than 3 million people and only 7,000 believed. You know what that was? That was a very small remnant of people out of Israel that believed the gospel and that was saved. And if, if you do the math now, and you take 7,000, and if there was 3 million people in Israel in, in this day, then that would be 0.23% of the population that believed and had not served Baal. I mean, we're talking less than a quarter of 1% that believed. So it was a very small remnant. It always has been a very small remnant. And Paul says at this present time, though it looks like all the Jews have rejected, yet at this present time there is also a remnant. According to, so that word according, this is the method that there is a remnant. This is the means, this is why that there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, let's just, and I, I use Strong's Concordance. Maybe maybe some people don't like Strong's. Maybe some people do. But it's, it's very old. It refers back to the original Greek language and the meanings of those words uh, as it was written in that day. I believe it's a very useful tool. And now, I'm not going to give you any of my opinion here, but there's a remnant. That word means a remainder. According to, down through, the election, the divine selection, chosen, the election of grace graciousness as gratifying, the especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. Why was there a remnant? Because God had reserved to himself 7,000 in Elijah's day. God did that. It was so dark and so wicked in Elijah's day. Why would anybody believe? Because they were elected by the power of God. Now, you, you could argue with me. And you know, I, I'm not against debating Scripture. I'm not against talking about it if people would be willing to talk. Sadly, people just want to cut your throat and leave you hanging and say you're of the devil and you're a liar. Well, I, I hate that that's the case, and I hate that people feel that way. But this scripture here, in Elijah's day, and at Paul's present day, there was a remnant, according to the election of grace. And in verse 6, And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be a works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Now, I realize that sounds very convoluted, 
But the meaning of that is very simple. If it's of grace, unmerited, unwarranted, favor, graciousness of God upon man, then it can't be of works. Because if I've worked it, then I've earned it, and it's not unmerited. You see, you, you can't have. It is impossible that grace and works go together. It's either one or the other. You can't have them both. Well, here, this salvation, these that are elected, these that God reserved to himself in Elijah's day, and these that believe the gospel in Paul's day, they believe it because of the unmerited, unwarranted favor of God. Now, if it's warranted, if they have done something to warrant it, then it cannot be grace. That goes against the definition of grace. If I give you $100 as a gift, then that means I've given it to you freely. But if you work for five hours for me and I give you $100, that's not a gift. I'm paying you for the work. So that's what he's saying here. If it is grace that these people are elected and believe, if it is unmerited favor, then it's not because they believe something. It's not because they went to an altar. It's not because they were more moral than anybody else. It was because the grace of God came to them. And friends, that's why we're saved. The church today, in Elijah's day, in Paul's day, and the church today, if there's anybody that believe, and you better believe me, it's a remainder. It's a few it's a remnant. If there is anybody that truly believes today, you want to know why they do? The election of grace. Because the unmerited favor of God came to a sinner and convinced them of the truth and brought them to salvation. Now, if they done something to get it, then it's not grace, it's of work. You can't have both. That's what he says in verse 6. So verse 7, what then? Israel hath not attained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Now you talk about people that get mad at Scripture. But now don't, don't wiggle around what he says right here. So he says, what then? That Israel didn't obtain what they sought. What did they seek for? Righteousness and justification in God's eyes. The majority did not obtain it. Now who did obtain it? Well, he says right here that the election hath obtained it. Election means divine selection. The Thayer definition, so divine selection, that is the Strong's definition of the word. The Thayer definition is the act of picking out, choosing, the act of God's free will by which before the foundation of the world he decreed his blessings to persons. So who obtained 
the righteousness that was sought for, the election, what happened to the rest of them? They were blinded. Now, how did they get blinded? According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber. So God woke some people up and he didn't wake up others? Why, that ain't fair, preacher. Well, that's what's happened all through the scripture. When God, now reason with me. When God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, what happened to the rest of Abraham's family? They didn't get that call. God chose Abraham and God chose his lineage after him. God chose Isaac and rejected Ishmael. Now what happened to Ishmael? Well, he went out to meet God lost. Then there was Jacob that came along. Jacob and Esau. God chose Jacob. What happened to Esau? He died and went to hell. God chose the 12 tribes and God says of those tribes in Deuteronomy, I didn't pick you because you were the biggest. Didn't pick you because you were the strongest or because you were the best. No, but God dealt with Israel and he says in Isaiah, you're the only people of the world that I've known. God chose Israel. That's where his word and his truth was all through the Old Testament, and the Gentiles were left out. You see, people don't have any trouble with any of that. What, what about Noah? God, Noah found grace. Now I realize you can say, well, Noah was, Noah was doing good. Well, that's, that's, again, that goes against the definition of grace. If Noah was doing good, then Noah earned it, and it wasn't grace. It was payment of wages for what he had done. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God was gracious to Noah. And God spoke to Noah. And God warned Noah. And Noah did preach. He did. But boy, nobody else got the call that Noah got, did they? We don't have it in Scripture. It's not written that it did. Noah preached. Noah preached enough to bring the flood down on their heads. But God didn't speak to anybody else like he did Noah. So you see, it's, it's by the, the direction of God. And friends, if God don't reserve, and here's where people get hung up, that God's just forcing people to die and go to hell. That, that is not the case. God does nothing and man goes to hell. It's the contrary that God's working to pluck the, them out of going to hell. And save them. If God does nothing in Noah's day, then Noah's dying with everybody else. If God don't send Jesus, then everybody's going to die lost and go to hell. If God don't reserve a number in Elijah's day, then all of Israel's going to serve Baal. And if God don't call some of the Jews in Paul's day and save them by the election of grace, then there's not going to be a single Jew that believes. It's not of works. It's by the power of God. So, 
I realize maybe that's a maybe that's a sore sore subject, and I, I really hate that it is. In Sunday school, we're going to be walking through this in the next little while in the Book of Romans. I would that that you would give get, just give it the time of day. If you agree with me, if you don't, if you think something different, just give the Word of God the time of day, and don't call me a devil, and I won't call you a devil. Let's just, my desire, and I mean this, I want to believe the truth no matter what I think, no matter what I feel, no matter what what I've always believed, I want to know and grow in what the Bible says. And if, if God would convince me otherwise, I can believe otherwise. But I believe scripture is plain. There's 7,000 left in Israel. I've reserved them. I've kept them. I've protected them. And I will protect them. And I will keep them. There will be a church at the end of the world. How can you say that? It's up to man. How do you know that in times of darkness, man's going to stay with it? I know it because God's doing it. It's God's work. God's keeping. God's drawing. And God's saving. So, Elijah's been encouraged. He's been strengthened. He's received the word of God. He's not alone. And, And... Let's let's read one one more place. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. So Isaiah says here that if God had not reserved a remnant, if he hadn't, by the election of grace, taken some out of sin and saved their lives, then Israel would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody would have been destroyed. Is that not the way it would be today? If the grace of God and the election of grace did not intervene in a few people's lives, the whole world would die and go to hell. But it's God's intervention to bring salvation in his elect. That's why there are people that believe the gospel and are saved. That's why, and that's the only reason, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he's made us accepted in the beloved, the glory redounds to the name and the power and the word of God. One more place, back in Romans. And I I hate to hammer through here continually. But I feel like I've been I've been chastised a time or two uh, publicly, maybe not directly, but I'd like for you to know why that I believe what I believe. I'm, I don't make it up. Uh, chapter 9, verse 27. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he shall finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, 
except the Lord of Sabaoth hath left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. What happened? Well, though there's as many as the sand of the sea in Israel, only a, only a remnant's going to be saved. And the Lord left that seed. See, that's where we just read in Isaiah 1. This is, this is the work of God, bringing, drawing, and saving man through the election of grace. It is the work of God. And if it's, if it's by my works and something I do, then I can get glory and it's, there's no glory left for me. So Elijah's going to depart here. And uh, verse 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him, and cast his mantle upon him. So Elijah now is, is going. God has spoken to him. God has strengthened him. And Elijah is now going forth to accomplish this work. And the last one listed in God's list is the first one that Elijah anoints. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's... Uh, I don't know that that's all that important. But this is the only man that he's going to anoint of those three with his hands. God lets him know this is coming, but Elisha's going to be the one to do it. And so I, I hate to dig into this verse. I've got several scriptures here. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll save Elisha for next time and we'll pick up right there in verse number 19. We love you. I hope you've had a wonderful week. Hope the Lord blesses your services tonight mightily with his spirit and with his word. And we would greatly appreciate your prayers. Thank you.